Welcome everyone to Business Growth on Purpose. My name is Jose Palomino. I'm CEO of Value Prop Interactive. And it is my great pleasure every week to be interviewing experts from around the world, owners of other B2B businesses, and sometimes just sharing some of my personal insights from decades of helping businesses grow on purpose. Thanks for joining us and enjoy the episode. Welcome everyone to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose. And our guest today is Tom Stanfield. And Tom is an expert at adapting sales teams and sales processes to the new realities that the buyer is in control and the buyer doesn't want to be sold. And yet, if you apply his principles, you can actually grow your sales, especially with customers that maybe up till now haven't been giving you a, a serious time of day to listen to what you have to offer. There's a whole philosophy behind it, but it's real easy to listen to, to get a hold of, and I think you'll love what you hear from Tom. And also, Tom has a book that we'll mention on uh, during our interview that has encapsulated a lot of what we'll be talking about today, and you'll hear about that right now as Tom joins our show. Well, welcome, Tom, to Business Growth on Purpose. Thank you, Jose. Nice to meet you. Nice to be on the show. Thanks for having me. I love the name. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. We, yeah. It took us a while. We went through a couple of iterations to get there. Yeah, but it's hard to Tom, land the plane on that. Yeah, well, you know, it, it, sometimes but you I just love it. try a few things. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, you know, Tom, for our audience, just to give context, right? So, yeah. so what do you do? Who you do it for? We are a sales global sales training company, uh, and we really help companies do, organizations do three things, help their sales reps get more meetings, expand their footprint in the account. How do they, the, the, how do they grow beyond their existing relationships, move upstream and, and, and grow their account share or win more opportunities, especially competitive opportunities. So they companies reach out to us, well-known fortune 500 companies, all the way down to small businesses, reach out to us to, for us to uh, teach their reps how to sell more effectively. Okay, great. And you have a new book out, which I'm yeah. very happy to have here called Unreceptive. And I like, it's a great name. I love that. Yeah. So tell us a little bit well, about, thank you. about, about the, the, the kind of the genesis, what led you to the book and, and what if somebody would get, and I'm, you know, I'm assuming this is gettable anywhere like on Yeah, it's on anywhere you buy books, anywhere right. you buy books. Okay. It's published by HarperCollins. So they do a great job of making sure it's in every store and every, whether it's online or, or retail. Um, yeah, the, the premise of the book happened as we started to see more and more customers being resistant to sellers. I mean, and that's that's been in sharp decline. The customers that are receptive to talking to sellers has declined almost 120% in the last three years alone. Uh, there was a study by McKinsey that talked about that. And so what, what we've learned in trying to solve this problem is that actually the more sellers try to sell, and more they try to persuade a customer that's emotionally closed to being sold, the more closed they become. And so they need to learn a new mindset, a new skill set to learn how to convert the unreceptive customer. Another way to explain it is there's kind of two dimensions to selling. There's the like farming, there's two dimensions. There's the fertility of the soil, how fertile is the soil, and there's the quality of the seed. Selling is the same thing. There's the is the customer receptive to the message? 
and then how well do you craft your message? And we tend to focus more on the on the on the message than the than the um, than the soil or the receptivity of the customer. And so that's what the book is about. How do we convert the customer? How do we create that receptive soil? Because in some companies we work with, maybe eighty percent of the customers are closed. And if it's a prospect, it's almost 98% of prospects, maybe more, are closed to a meeting. So how do we get more meetings and how do we how do we open more doors and open more subjects? Well, it's interesting. You know, there's a, yeah. there's, there's a biblical parable about like four soils, mm. right, that, that really speaks right. to how people are, you know, yeah. they are where they are. They're either ready right. to hear what you're talking about or great, completely, great. At, you know, uh, at odds with your message. Mm. And increasingly, and of course, this ties into, you know, corporate executive board and other studies been yeah. around now for the last 10 years, how the buyer is now much more in control, right? The, right. the, the, the all days of a salesperson saying, I'm going to educate you on something. They say, well, right. no, no, I already got your website. I got the white papers. Right. I got the, all the video and stuff. So, and they're further down the line, right? They're like, they're like at the last 30% of their process before they even invite sellers into the experience. Right. So, so I love that the idea of the fact that they have to be receptive. So that sounds, you know, conceptually, as you yeah. say, I'm saying, "Amen, brother." That's true. Make them yeah. more receptive. Now, here's mm-hmm. the question: How? How do, how do you? How do you do that? <laughs> yeah. How do you do? Well, it, there's the, the most overlooked thing um, that's required uh, for a seller to get the customer receptive is the decision they make before every meeting. And this is, this is one of those things where, you know, we talk about it in training. It's like, okay, you know, what's the secret? Okay. You ready? Make a decision before every meeting to put the customer first, because what happens is our motive is ultimately transparent. And so sellers just walk in the building and they've been thinking about their solution, what they're going to say, how they're going to position it. And that's, that's, that's where they get a gravitational pull to their stuff, you know, and their motive. And so even though it's really simple, it's, it's very important to stop before every meeting and make a decision to decide who's first, because if, if you don't stop and make that decision, the customer's first. And what that what that happened or what where that leads is when a customer, when a rep makes that decision, they start to lead with what's on the customer's whiteboard. They start to think about what's important to them. Why do they need to engage me earlier in the process? Why am I, why is it better to talk to me than do a Google search? What do I, what information do I need to know to help my customer? How can I make the customer the hero of the story? And so that starts with just really a mindset of making that decision to relieve any um, understanding that I'm not the hero, they're the hero story. The second thing I would say, and there's a lot we can obviously talk about because there's in the book, we talk about the five barriers to, to overcoming. But the second thing I would say is it's really simple to do is eliminate pressure by doing something we call drop the rope. Now, this is a very simple tactic. It fought, you got to make sure that first it's about the customer But the second thing you need to do is drop the rope, meaning every time you get on the phone, reach out via email or walk into a room, there's tension because in you, you are trepping a product, your sales representative. And so you get commission or or you, you earn something by, by, you know, selling your stuff. And so there's tension and they, they, they're there to sell something and they're there to protect their wallet. Right. So, and they also don't want a sticky relationship where, you know, you're going to continue to pursue them and it's going to, that's why they'd rather do a Google search or or shop online because it doesn't help to talk to a rep. So what they need to do is drop the rope, not, not pull the rope and try to pull them to their position, but drop the rope by communicating all options are acceptable. It may not make sense 
for you to talk to me. It may not make sense to buy our solution. It, you may be in a better, it may be better uh, in your best interest to stay with what you're currently doing. So putting all options on the table, communicating that, um, you know, the customer has the freedom to choose starts to eliminate that tension and makes them more open to talking to you. So those are just a couple of things. No, those are great. And, and I think mm -hmm. one of them on, on the drop the rope, that's interesting. It's so dependent on that upfront decision first. Yeah. Because in other words, if I, if I'm, you know, it's, you know, when I've done my fair share of like sales training with small right. groups and stuff, and I always say like, the one thing you really can't fake, even though you may think you can is sincerity. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah. like people, because we're adults, we can read other people. We you know can read it. Yeah. In your normal life, you're always yeah. on guard, right? If you go to buy a car or whatever, you're going to be like, Dukes are up. You're ready for battles. Mm -hmm. Why yeah. would your customer be any different? So, so what I love about the sequence is, if you start with that right mindset, then when I say to the customer, um, you know, they staying with your system may make the most sense. Right. It's really coming from a place of sincerity. It will have effect. If it's seen as a clever technique, like a Jedi mind trick. Right. right? Which is why I've always I've always had problems with the guys who try to convince me that we should all sales training should be based on like neuro linguistics and getting yeah. the brain. And I guess right. some of that I understand, but that's like, like, why not just be real, be human and solve real problems. Yeah. Those are all those techniques are born out of really, how do I get the customer to do what I want them to do mm -hmm. rather than start with the idea that, okay, I'm here to serve the customer. How can I figure out what's in their best interest and how can I figure out, do they have a problem what problem should I solve? And if I can't help them, I should tell them that. Like, and if you start there, which is really the key that opens the door to influence. Mm. I mean, like that decision is the key that gets you in, right? And then when you're in, you've got to start. There's definitely techniques that you need to learn and skills that you need to develop, like drop the rope is a skill, but it does come from an authentic place because motive is ultimately transparent. You've got 50 plus, I can't remember exactly how many, I remember studying this in the book, like 50 plus muscles in your face. And so you can't control all well, those muscles. Right? Yeah, you're like, your face. <laughs> and I've been in meetings with people and I can tell, I'm like, what is going on? He goes, I hated that person. I'm like, you can tell it's on your face. It's a, you know, he's he knows. trying. He, he knows. knows. It's, like, it's like, you can tell when people don't like you and you can tell when people are genuine. So motive, motive is ultimately transparent. And I know that's not sexy. Right. But it's the key that opens the door to influence because that's ultimately what we want in sales is influence. And when you're influencing somebody, there's always a polarized point of view. It, you know, selling, selling, being successful at selling is not, hey, talking to people who already want you, what you do, and they just need a little education. They're going to get that. They can get that from hundreds of places. Mm -hmm. In sales, our role is to influence them and change their beliefs about the best way to solve their problem. And so they already see the world very differently. You need an invitation to move down, go down what I, I call take the trip and go down and see their point of view. Cause I think of it as there's polarized one person you're in sales, you're on the North pole you see one way is up. The customer's on the South pole. They see a completely different way. Uh, and so there's two polarized points of view. How do I, how do I change their point of view? I got to take the trip and see their point of view first before I can ever get them to see my point of view, I got to validate. Well, that's required before I can do that. I need an invitation. And so I need to communicate that I'm, my focus is to solve their problem. I need to drop the rope and communicate. I may not have the best solution. I, I don't know you. 
My goal is to get to know you, figure out what you need. And if, if you need to stay with the current company that you're with or the current solution, or you need to buy a complete solution, I'm going to tell you, that's my goal. And that, that starts to create a fertile soil. And then you have the opportunity to deliver your message. It's interesting because, you know, one of the things uh, years ago in, in our practice, we, we made a decision not to do a lot of things people thought we would do, like yeah. doing websites and doing content and doing all the okay. agency work. We said, how am I going to advise the owner on strategy, which is what we right. focus on, if at the same time, my strategy self-servingly says you need a new website, which we can charge, you know, we can charge you X for it. Right. So I right. wanted to be a pure play just on the strategy side. So inadvertently kind of getting into that, into that space of yeah, it makes sense. Saying, hey, we're just trying to point the way. But the other thing, though, that you talked about changing their perspective, mm-hmm. right? which I, I love that idea. But I, I think it only really works if step one is true, right? Like your mm-hmm. mindset is I want to help this person because somebody could hear that and say, yeah, I got to change their mind. To, so they right. want my stuff, mm-hmm. whether it's good for them or not. But if you start with the predicate thought is it has to be good for them. Mm-hmm. And you could be I, I imagine you could be pretty effective at changing how they see the problem. That's exactly right. And see, when you, and I know we're hot, we're, we're, you know, double clicking on this decision that we need to make, but it really drives to, it drives the messaging. So when we talk about how to get a meeting, we say the most effective way I can guarantee you, if you, there's one thing you can do that I guarantee you, you will get the decision maker or the customer, whoever you're reaching out to's attention 100% of the time. And everybody's like, well, what is it? Wow. Yeah. I want to yeah. Yeah. What is it? I would say, talk about something on their whiteboard. If you lead with something on their whiteboard, Mm -hmm. like if you just think about whoever you're reaching out to has got a whiteboard in their office. If you're selling B2B or whiteboard in their home, now it's metaphorical or actually there's a whiteboard. could be the refrigerator, you know, it's whatever's on there. If you say something that's on there, they will read the email. They will listen to the message. They will, they're, they're interested. Another way I say this, if I show a picture of you, you will look at it 100% of the time. You can't help it. You will. So, but so by making a decision that my goal is to serve the customer, you start to tune in to what does the customer need? You become a student of the people you serve. And so you get really smart. And so you, you learn better ways to solve their problem than they do because that's all you do, right? So instead of them saying, well, I could just do a Google search. Well, that's a lot of work. Oh, here's a trusted person in my industry who solves this problem. And that's all they focus on. And they're trying to help me. Why wouldn't I talk to them? And so it, but that's why the decision actually, come, uh, it leads to something very tactical. Right. So I, I could see that it's, it's really in many ways, the hub of the wheel and all yeah. the, every, uh, all the other activities are kind of spokes on there, but, exactly. but here's like a little bit of an elephant in the room, maybe not a big one, but in, an yeah. elephant. for somebody listening to this, this is okay. I have a 10 person sales team. Right. And I don't know that more than one or two people on my team are even capable of this kind of behavior because they're like 20 year veterans that have been trained in the, you know, they've been in environments where like every week you're standing and delivering, defending your pipeline. Right. It's a little, so it's a little hard to tell a rep that you're pounding week in, week out for pipeline and opportunity updates and say, but right. and he's saying, I got to drop the rope and I got to, I got to take right, it easy right. with this guy. 
Yeah, I love. How do you resolve that tension? I love that question. I love that question. And this is the great thing about what we call it is being other centered, which means you really are putting the Mm -hmm. customer's needs first. And your number one priority is to solve the customer's problem. Here's the beautiful thing about it you make more money. (laughs) If you're other centered, you're, or another way to say it, if your focus is to serve the customer, you're more successful. So whatever you're doing, right, is limited if it's if you're only pushing your solution. So all we're talking about doing, or all I try to help sales organizations do, is reach the percentage of customers they're not talking to, right? So they're working in where the soil is fertile. People are saying, "Come in, tell me what you do. I need, I potentially need it. Talk to me." They're open. They're, that's the only place they're winning. Where they're losing is people who are closed to buying from them. And mm-hmm. I've talked to these veterans who I'll say, like I was teaching a workshop uh, the, earlier this week in San Diego. And a guy says to me, yeah, I've been working with this customer for 10 years and they've never talked, will talk about this one product that we offer. And I know it's better for them, but that subject's closed. So they don't know how to talk about it because they, don't, they just, they know their mm-hmm. typical, here's my pitch, here's what it does. Here's the benefit. It's off the table. So what? Right. It, so they just don't talk about it. So all I'm talking about doing is saying, how do we enter into a conversation with that person so that you can explore um, or get them? Basically, you got to validate their point of view so that ultimately they can see your point of view. Well, I think just the power of seeing, look, this is good for relationships, right? Anybody, Absolutely. you know, just how to get along with humans is like, yeah. if I'm actually interested in what matters to the person out in front of me, Right. Uh, I'm going to be more interesting to them. Right. Uh, you know, I have a, a three now college age kids and, you know, like talking about like dating advice. I said, look, yeah. just focus on the person that you're going out with and show that you're actually interested in them. It will make you more interesting to them. Uh, so yeah. I, it's kind of that print. It's a dating principle. So yeah, it's a day. Yeah. <laughs> when I talk about drop the rope often, I'll, 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 I'll share the example of talking to my daughter about her first real boyfriend. So she was dating this guy and uh, my son played football with this guy. Uh, we'll, we'll say, we'll call him, we'll call him Bob. Okay. And call I, Bob. She, she, yeah, she was, <laughs> which is not a very millennial name, but and my kids are all in their thirties. So they're grown now, but she was 16 in love. And so, you know, I walk into a room, knock, knock. And I say, Hey, uh, I heard you're dating Bob closed emotionally closed. I mean, so uh, yeah, let's uh, talk to me about that. And then you can tell, you know, eyes are kind of half open, <laughs> scowl on the face. She's closed, right? So if I go into my pitch, well, you're not going to date Bob because Taylor told me that there's things about Bob. He's not a good guy. So you're not going out with him. Right. She would have married him. <laughs> right. So, so what I, you know, I had to back up to get the invitation to have that conversation. Um, and this is where veterans or new reps, anybody can benefit because you like, these are human principles. Mm-hmm. I had to say, you know, look, my number one objective is for you to be happy. I don't want to get you hurt. And here's the second thing I want you to know. You can date whoever you want. I'm not going to try to stop you from dating, but I can't control you. You're 16 years old. I can't, you know, so, so I just want you to be happy. And so she became open. We were able to talk about the relationship and that, that we began a journey of walking together through dating because this was kind of our first relationship. So those kinds of conversations where people open up and tell you the truth mm-hmm. and, and, and allow you to sit down and say, okay, what do you think about this? Because until someone says, what do you think I should do? It doesn't matter what you say. 
they have to extend the invitation. So all we're talking about in this book is there's five barriers to getting that, to, to getting people to, to change their beliefs. And so we're just talking, teaching people how to get the invitation, uh, how to validate the person's point of view, how do they, so they could really feel and understand it, and then how to deliver a message in a way that they're receptive. Well, and you know, so much of that is, again, motivation is the, like the number one thing, what, what's yeah, motivating right. you so people can read that. But I, I think it's, it's also, uh, I, I think it, it can't be overstated, just making a decision, not only to do what's in the best interest of my customer or my prospect, right. but also making a commitment to understand my prospect's world. Yeah. Uh, all too often, and I, and I deal mostly with owner-led businesses. So generally companies yeah. like under 30 million in revenues, okay. generally with, okay. with the owners involved every day. And so it's a small sales team usually. But often I ask them, tell me about like their biggest customer. Tell me about right, right. their business. What's going on in their supply chain issues, their challenges and so on. Great question. Blank stairs. They have no idea. They only know, well, they order this many XYZ widgets from us and we do it and we're happy to get the business and so on. I said, well, you know, how much more could you do if you just even knew what was on their agenda? Like you said, their whiteboard. Right. I love their that. Whiteboard. Right. Yeah. There's something on their whiteboard. But if we don't even know, we're not even having that conversation. How strategic are we really as a partner? We're just a vendor at that point. We're just supplying a part number and somebody else will beat us on price eventually because you can't win if you're a small company on price. So you can't sustain it. No. Oh, so I love that. I love that whole approach. Well, this is why, too, that the, the reps are back to your question about the veterans and people that have been doing this for a while. Less and less reps are hitting their number. That's declining consistently every year in a market that's been booming. Now, I know COVID hurt some people, sure. but before COVID, reps consistently, less reps were hitting their number. And that's been declining over and over again because customers are, customers are like, I don't need to talk to reps who are just going to try to pitch me stuff. If you don't, that's a, that's a, uh, I think that's a, a, a door opener just to be able to say, I understand your business and you can help me make better decisions. Otherwise, you're just going to buy online. And, and I why think, not? I think and and what's, yeah. what's, what's fascinating is how much even big capital uh, goods and services are being moved into e-commerce models Yeah. Uh, right now because people want to self-select. So it's really, you know, that's where you get account-based marketing and that kind of exactly process. Right. But if you're, if you're listening to this and you're actually a professional seller, I'd listen very carefully because this is not a fad. This is no. the way it's going. This is, and, it, and, and think about the value that we bring. And we always talk about what do you offer that's proprietary or unique to you, right? That's another key thing in, in, in getting a meeting or ultimately winning a deal is, is understanding what's on their whiteboard, communicating some disruptive truth about a better way to solve their problem. And then lastly, what do you do to separate yourself from the competition? And that could be a who, what, or how. And most of the time, it's probably a who or how, meaning who's going to work with them and how right. are you going to work with them? Not so much what you offer. And you think about all the information that we can learn from our customers, because we might be talking to hundreds of customers sure. similar to the one we're calling on right now. So, and we learn, if we learn how they're solving a problem, what are their challenges? What are the best practices? And then we can come and share that with each customer. Obviously we want, we don't want to share uh, information that that's, uh, you know, confidential, but sure. But that's that knowledge is available, and that's the value that we bring is our expertise to serve our customers better. No, otherwise, I mean, again, if you're just an order taker, then the, the web can do that more efficiently 24 7. 
and, yeah. and, yeah, and, and exactly. you know, just, just can. Right. So, so that's, that's the opportunity to really add some, some incredible value. And Tom uh, Stanfield, you have added incredible value to business growth on purpose today. I really appreciate well, thank it. You. Thank just you, want to friend. call out again, the book. I strongly recommend it. These principles are captured here and Tom's done a great job of explaining them. And Tom, if somebody listening to this wanted to know more about you, and your work and how to maybe get in touch with you, what should be the best path for them to do so? Uh, you, you can check out Aslan Training, A-S-L-A-N training.com. That's the company website if you're interested in sales training or want to learn more about some of the, the, the solutions that we offer. Or we've got a lot of resources like articles, eBooks, et cetera. Or if they want to learn more about the book, they can go to unreceptivebook.com. And there, there's some great information about the book. So um, thanks, Jose, for having me. No, it's been a real uh, pleasure. Love, 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 love your focus. Love what you're uh, preaching. And um, thanks for having me on the show. No, my pleasure. Thank you for being here. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose. If you like the show, hit subscribe and leave us a review to help other people find the podcast. And if you're ready to take the next step in driving intentional growth for your business, come check out what we're doing at valueprop.com. We've developed industry-leading programs and systems to help B2B owners take control of their growth. Until then, thanks for listening to another episode of Business Growth on Purpose.